0: welcome this hour is for fire safe mendocino Uh, we have a pre-recorded interview to bring to you today and i'm going to get right to that my name's Cobb. i'm engineering in the studio so we've got a great place here for you and with that i want to put in a plug for the flash drive which is starting next week on the magic number 1111 Um, It takes your participation to make all of this happen, and sometimes that participation is seemingly unglamorous as donating some money. But if you're out there and you listen, it's a big deal. It's a big help. That kind of segues us into this Fire Safe Radio program uh, that's pre-recorded today, uh, produced in partnership between Wax and the Mendocino County Fire Safe Council. Uh, The Fire Safe Council has been a very real experience of neighbors helping neighbors, people getting on the ground and really making it happen for themselves to clean up the woods, uh, come up with escape plans, escape routes, uh, share information about how to harden their homes, etc. We all live together in these difficult situations, uh, different weather, changing patterns, Uh, needs to adapt and no matter how many resources we have we're going to get into uh, the volunteer fire departments here in a little bit with a couple of fire chiefs from the chief's association looking at that Um, the value is so priceless to us all and nearly everything going on that matters in a big way in this county is volunteer run or at one time it was And operates on minimal budgets and depends on community input, depends on community participation, as does KZYX. So think about that uh, when you are in need of these services, whether that be radio or emergency 911 services or just trying to figure out how you're going to plan for responding to a wildfire event, that kind of thing. Having said that, I'm going to start this program. It's going to end a bit early, and if you take down the number, 707-895-2448, we'll probably have a few minutes to take some comments, some feedback, maybe some questions. I'll be in the studio here for you. So without further ado, I'm going to start this pre-recorded interview, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to KZYX, and here we go. You are tuned to KZYX 90.7 FM Philo, KZYZ 91.5 FM Willits and Ukiah, and 88.1 FM Fort Bragg. Please stay tuned for FireSafe Radio, a partnership project between KZYX and the Mendocino County FireSafe Council. Today we'll be presenting you with a conversation between myself, Cobb, Scott Craddy, Director of the Mendocino County FireSafe Council, Dave Latouf, and Sue Carberry, both chiefs of their departments, that's the Mendocino County, stay with us for a pre-recorded conversation between myself, Cobb, Scott Craddy, director of the Mendocino County Fire Safe Council, Dave Latouf, chief of the Mendocino Fire Department, and Sue Carberry, chief of the Laytonville Fire Department, for a conversation about the Mendocino County Fire Chiefs Association, and the Volunteer Firefighter Chiefs Academy Training Program.
1: This is Scott Crotty, and I'm Executive Director of the Mendocino County Fire Safe Council.
2: My name is Sue Carberry. Uh, I'm currently the Fire Chief at Laytonville Volunteer Fire Department and Ambulance. Um, I joined the Fire Department about 21 years ago as an EMT and firefighter. Um, I earned my living teaching and being an athletic director and, and moved to Laytonville in the late 80s where there was this really cool small volunteer fire department and decided I wanted to be a part of it. So sort of late in the life um, as we talk about it, but it was a good career and I retired from teaching, so now I can afford to spend more time um, running the department. Um, I've been the chief for the past four years um, and looking to retire probably in the next couple of years.
3: Dave Latouf, Mendocino, and um, we're a 100% volunteer department. I joined as a firefighter about 22 years ago, um, got my EMT uh, license, uh, as most of our calls are medical, uh, kind of went up to the ranks of captain and, and assistant chief, and then um, stepped into the chief position almost going on two years now. Uh, I was um, head of our ocean rescue and high angle rescue programs. I took it over from um, one of the prior chiefs. Uh, I'm a contractor, but fortunately, I have a well-organized crew that allows me a lot of flexibility and time.
1: you guys are both chiefs of your department, but you're also all volunteer? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, both departments are all volunteer.
3: Wow. Uh, A LOT OF PEOPLE DON'T REALIZE um, THE VOLUNTEER COMMITMENT TO THAT ALL THE VOLUNTEERS HAVE TO THIS COUNTY, um, ESPECIALLY THE VISITORS COMING FROM BIG TOWNS. BUT uh, THE CHIEFS' ASSOCIATION WAS STARTED IN THE LATE 80s, I'M NOT SURE THE EXACT YEAR, uh, AND um, IT'S... uh, encompasses the 21 fire brigades that are in Mendocino County, the organized fire brigades. That excludes CAL FIRE, although they are um, an integral part of our Chiefs Association. Anything to add to that, Sue?
2: No, that's, that's pretty basic. Um, we get together every other month, except for COVID, of course, through a wrench into it. Um, and, and share a lot of ideas. We have auxiliary organizations that join us from time to time, like um, Mendocino College's fire science program person um, and other auxiliary organizations.
3: We get a huge support from uh, the county sheriff's MCSO, uh, and uh, a lot of networking goes on between all the support agencies and the chiefs uh, of individual departments.
2: Of all those departments, um, probably Ukiah Valley Fire Authority is the only one with paid staffing. The rest of them, or the rest of us, um, are all volunteer departments.
3: Yeah, a few departments have paid chiefs or uh, and all other volunteers. A few other ones have might have a paid chief and a paid assistant chief. Uh, as uh, you know, Sue, that uh, the admin load, Uh, keeps increasing for the chief. And so eventually, um, and I hope not in my tenure, uh, chief will have to be paid somewhere along the line.
2: The need keeps increasing and the finances keep decreasing.
3: Back to the chief's association, Um, it really uh, tries to support uh, training of volunteers in the county. And what do you have to add to that, Sue?
2: Well, so I think one of the things that the Chiefs Association does, perhaps best of all, is is run the Chiefs Academy. Um, that's a program that's run from January to late spring every year, um, where where departments send their volunteers every weekend. These volunteers give up Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, at least two, two days of the weekend, and go off and receive training at various different fire departments usually run around 20 to 30 participants. Um, It's a huge commitment on their part. But when they're done, they come out with firefighting skills that would be very hard for each department to do individually.
3: Yeah, they're pretty well tuned up. Uh, I mean, that was uh, started because uh, most of fire science classes are during weekdays, which uh, conflicts with normal jobs that the volunteers have. And a lot of them are out of County. And uh, so this was really set up. I I went myself in 1998, Uh, that was the year I joined. And it had been going for several years prior to that. And um, you come come out of it uh, with a lot of networking with other departments and see how other departments do. Stru- are structured. The, uh, the teachers and that instructors are all from departments in the county and they um, the locations uh, vary around. Mostly they're in the central corridor of the county, but it helps with uh, uh, travel for the volunteers. And when did the Chiefs Academy get started originally? I think it was started in the 90s probably the second half of the 90s it had been going several years by the time i uh, jumped in and uh yeah it makes you feel a lot more confident as a firefighter it condenses what you would probably would probably take at least two years being on a department uh to to learn all the different subjects that that are taught in the academy
2: so it's every weekend for, I don't know, how many months is that? Four or yeah, five months? Yeah, about
3: four. Four yeah, or five. Yeah, they go. Yeah.
2: Sometimes it's Friday night, Saturday, Sunday. Sometimes it's Saturday, Sunday.
0: It's a state-mandated curriculum, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it's following, like like Laytonville does, the first responder weekend, and it's it's state curriculum, Firefighter 1 is state curriculum. Yeah, it's pretty rigid in terms of its requirements. Plus, then we end up with a live burn of of some kind or another. In the old days, they used to actually find a place uh, that needed to be burned down and burn it down. In recent history, they use a burn trailer, which is a simulated trailer, but it's real fire fueled by propane.
0: And is this something all new firefighters in Mendocino County are, are required to go through?
3: It's encouraged um, for the, the new recruits to go through and and the department pays for their travel and um, the tuition and any expenses, food or whatever during their their time there.
2: The instruction is all volunteer based. The basically the the expense of the program is what it costs to rent and and facilitate the burn trailer.
3: Uh, and that is um, let's see, it's around. I think a couple thousand dollars for a weekend. Uh, it's the expensive. Yeah. but oh, uh, up, it's
2: the tuition that that each student pays funds the program.
3: Right. And there's a, a book, a manual, too, that uh, is used throughout the, the academy. can't remember the cost per, per student.
2: Last year it was $400 because we upped the hours required.
3: The textbook is what's used at fire science programs junior colleges around the state uh, so it's the same curriculum that you would get if you actually enrolled in a college to take fire science
1: did i hear correctly that the so the departments basically have to raise the 400 on their own to pay for their people to go through the academy and get trained
2: yeah last year it was 400 it's been the previous years it's been a couple hundred dollars two hundred dollars but if you consider the amount of training that they're getting, that's a hell of a deal. Yeah.
3: yeah. It would cost the department much more to send them off somewhere else to do to do the same thing.
2: And the t- and the amount of time that the volunteers are giving up. I mean, you know, every weekend for all that time is, is a long time. It's a lot of weekends. Yeah. Can you run through what some of the classes are? It's everything you could imagine that's required of a fire person. It's, you know, it's medical. It's um, the self-contained breathing apparatus. It's hand tools. It's auto extrication. It's hazmat, hazardous materials. It's ladders. Okay, Dave, help.
3: Yeah, um, firefighter safety, confined space awareness. Let's see. Uh, wildlands fire as well as structure fire. It touches on all of those things. Uh, trying to rope rescue. They have a weekend of that as well. And um, yeah, I think you probably touched upon about all all the topics. Every weekend is a new topic.
2: Right, and it's rain, shine, snow, whatever. How much is classroom and how much is
0: hands on?
2: Well, it depends. You know, something like hazmat, hazardous materials, is probably, you know, a lot more classroom than it is hands-on. We don't usually try to blow places up. The first responders, about a third classroom and two-thirds hands-on. I think it just varies from topic to topic.
3: They'll spend maybe uh, a few hours in a classroom and then try to get out as fast as possible to get your hands on the the tools and the equipment and and the instruction uh, they really try to make it reality-based as far as um, what you'll be doing and scenarios and that type of thing.
1: Yeah. Also for people that volunteer at that academy they're essentially getting like a free major chunk of college education work, yeah. really broad spectrum.
2: Yeah our students are, I think we had a little over 40 which was you know Highly unusual. Usually it's around 25 or
3: 30. Yeah, I mean, normally, like for our department, um, I'll send two. I like to send them in groups of even numbers uh, if possible. For one thing, that helps with lodging where you could share a room because we're paying, in my, our case, you can't expect them to always work a whole day till five and then have to show up at eight the next morning. And for us, it's an hour and a half drive each way to Ukiah. Uh, But I usually send two, two or three or four, but this year it'll be two.
2: Well, it'll be interesting what we do this year. You know, last year we had to end it in March. Um, It went away when COVID went away. Um, Just because of the close contact and, you know, all the COVID restrictions, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what we're able to do this year. We have run a high school program as well, and our students, the path that they usually follow is to go to the Chiefs Academy, and then the next year they enroll in the Cal Fire Academy, but they go into that academy, you know, with so many more skills and tools than the, norm, than the average person. And then they end up getting hired by CAL FIRE and we lose them for a lot of the summer. Yeah.
0: yeah. What else does the Chiefs Association do?
2: Well, I think what Dave said earlier, you know, mostly it's we all, you know, we're so, we're different, but we're the same. You know, we all have the same mission. We have different geographies that, that create different challenges, but we're all trying to, to save lives and put out fires and do it on a, you know, a, a minimal budget. And so getting together and, and talking to each other and, and finding out the best way to do things, you know, it certainly helps us do our jobs better.
3: Uh, also, it uh, the Chiefs Association is um, a cohesive unit uh, for any um, county government um, interaction, too, such as the Board of Supervisors. Uh, we, when we get together, we, we pose a pretty big, a big footprint with, uh, you know, the different issues. Um, and um, we work, um, work with the Mendocino Cal- County Sheriff's Department and CAL FIRE, who um, supports us quite a bit. You know, just on incidences and uh, um, anything else as far as networking, Sue, that you could think of?
2: No, we're, we're going into a new world, too, now in terms of finances. Basically, the budget of the Chiefs Association is by membership dues. Um, and now, because of the ballot measure that was passed, whenever that was passed, um, we're going to receive... Um, DOT money from private, private campgrounds that's going directly to the Chiefs Association to be divided up by each department, and so that's going to put us in a, in a new world where we now have some money um, that will be coming in from this tax to the departments, and the initial plan by the Chiefs Association was to hold some of the money back to be used for special projects by different departments, so it's, we're entering into a new world in terms of funding. We also received some Proposition 172 money um, that's divided up equally among the departments. Um, So, but this, that, that money will stay and this campground money will be, will be in addition to that.
0: You're listening to Fire Safe Radio on KZYX. This is a pre-recorded conversation with Dave Latouf, Chief of Mendocino Fire Department, and Sue Carberry, Chief of the Laytonville Fire Department. What inspires you to take on the difficult job of being chief for your individual fire departments?
3: Um, well, for me, uh, it's um, being part of something that's you know bigger than myself and the team that I support, and I've been—that's what I've been doing all along, helping in any way I can. That's the mentality of everybody on our department. That. Uh, you want to help serve the community, and uh, and it also you get recognized from community members. They thank you. That's a, a huge, for me, it's, it's really what it's all about is just the thanks and knowing that you've helped made a difference in somebody's life.
2: Yeah, it's pretty remarkable when you think about the sizes of our community, you know, we basically have a population of about 3,000 and the fact that, and we're, and we're sort of isolated in some ways, the fact that, you know, we can run a fire department and, and and run two ambulances and, you know, it's a huge, huge impact on our community and they do appreciate it.
3: Yeah, it's kind of like once you become chief, um, you know, you, you're not as operational anymore, and maybe that's good or bad as you get older, but uh, uh, you got to stand back and let the other people do it. Sometimes I miss all that um, getting my hands, you know, on something else besides a radio. Um, but, but that's part of the, what it is, and you, you got to be a bit administratively oriented, and uh, lead from the top and um, have mm-hmm. the respect of your fire department members. I, I wonder if it's something
1: at all like, um, I mean, when, when Sue mentioned she was looking to retire in a couple of years, made me think of uh, you know my background. I ran a farmer's market here and was general manager of the County Farmers Market Association. And, and in that uh, role, it was always kind of a matter of just in time where we just barely found when, when a manager stepped down, uh, it was usually we barely we had one person that maybe was ready to step in and sometimes not. But it was always by the seat of our pants that we found a new manager. Um, I'm wondering, is it the same kind of situation with transitions in the fire chief position?
2: Yeah, you know, our membership are, uh, choose um, by, it's by vote, by ballot vote for the captains and the chief. Um, But it it, it is different, you know, when the pager goes off at 2.30 in the morning, the volunteers have the choice to turn it off and turn over and go back to sleep. Um, Dave and I don't, you know, 2.30 in the morning, we don't have that choice.
3: Yeah, I mean, we sort of do, but, and it happens without us. Um, That's why you try to have good people around you. But ultimately, we're the ones responsible for making sure we answer the call so I, I kind of feel a little more need to, to make as many uh, incidents as possible. I wonder if you could both take a, take a turn and just
0: describe your individual departments a bit.
2: Go ahead, Dave.
3: Well, we have about 30 volunteers. Um, out of the 30, about half of that respond number of people respond to 80% of the calls um, uh, we have a, a lot of disciplines within our department being where we're located and how many tourists come to Mendocino and and recreate uh, we've got a robust water ocean rescue program going that um, sort of developed at when I first joined the department I mean we we always had a boat, um, but now we have jet skis and Zodiacs, and and then you train on those. We have a lot of high angle hazards around here, so we have a very um, robust technical rope rescue. Um, most of our calls are medical, we- Right, in
2: 2019, in the county, Mendocino County, 60% of all calls were medical aids.
3: Um, get to the medical incidents before the ambulance, which is dispatched out of Fort Bragg. Uh, usually within oh, 20 or 30 minutes they're there, but we manage the patient until that happens. Um, and. Uh, and fires like Sue kind of said or that you said Cobb are sort of the least of all the of the things we do. Um, thank, thankfully, um, and uh, being coastal, we aren't as don't have the wild land fire um, potential as more inland departments, uh, but you need to train on all of those disciplines because the ones that you don't do in real calls are the ones that you get out of practice with. So you have to train robustly, no matter what, what type of uh, incident or discipline that you might respond to. We, uh, our district along the coast is, um, about eight miles along the coast and it goes, uh, about 10 miles inland. And then, um, our, uh, our rescue teams uh, deliver mutual aid a lot to the surrounding uh, departments, like Albion Fire always asks for our water rescue. And I, we just were on a cliff rescue with Elk Fire over the weekend. So you're, you're traveling around quite a bit sometimes
0: and sue will you describe the laytonville fire department
2: we actually started with a fire brigade in 1939 um with just a single engine and a couple people that that ran around trying to put out structure fires at that point um and then in 1955 it became a formal um, legalized fire department in the 50s we ran a uh, private vehicles running patients to the hospital in Willits, and then in 1984 started running our two ambulances. We cover 238 square miles. Um, we have an advanced life support ambulance 24-7 and a basic life support ambulance 24-7. Um, about 80% of our calls are medical. We run a little over 400 calls a year. Um, our, our diversity is that we're covering a huge area with our ambulance. It, we go up to Leggett, we go halfway to Covalho, halfway to Westport, and then often down to Willits when their ambulances are tied up. So, so our big demand is, is ambulance, but in reality, probably what, what our firefighters like the most is fighting fire. And then, as I said earlier, we have a really strong high school program where um, high school students, as part of their day, take a class that's called community classroom, and they come over to the fire department and, and get training every day with us, both on fire engines and on the ground and in the ambulance. And, you know, when, they're, when they've been here long enough as juniors and seniors, they often go on calls with us, which is a real saving thing in the daytime. We don't always have as many volunteers available as we need. So, that's been a really strong program for us.
1: I just, that's a pretty extreme diversity between those two departments out of yep. 21. Is, is there as much of a range in the other 19?
2: Probably no. so. I mean, I think, I think we are so diverse, like Dave said, you know, geography alone, you know, we have a major, major highway running through the middle of town and, and people don't know how to drive very well often and so they end up crashing not even knowing where they've crashed um you know when when the harwood mill was running you know that had a huge impact in terms of logging trucks and just mill injuries itself so you know we don't have cliffs and we have very little water but we have lots of traffic collisions and and medical aids
3: that's the most in our department too is 80 percent medical
0: So, as far as your departments go and and thinking of that diversity, what are the priorities of the chief's association?
2: well, i think I think to share you know survival stories just in terms of how we're coping and how we're managing the same the same situations, you know, finding good volunteers, you know our volunteers are really young. We're either old or young and nothing in the middle, you know, and that creates problems also um you know just keeping up the volunteer ranks you know funding is always an issue we running our ambulances we take a huge chunk out of our general fire budget just to break even on the ambulance i mean ambulances cost money and they don't make money so that's a huge commitment and just you know how to survive when there isn't enough money you know you shouldn't have to do bake sales to fund fire departments
3: right yeah the um You know, the county government is ultimately responsible for EMS, you know, in their counties, but the burden of it lands on the volunteers that aren't paid. And uh, the departments to support them, they have to buy the medical gear and whatever else they need to uh, maintain medical calls, Um, and so that comes from Different revenue sources depending on the departments. And, and
0: uh... so, what's the dollar value of the volunteer fire departments in Mendocino County? If all the volunteers had to be paid in terms of their time put in and their skills and their experience, uh, what kind of number would that be?
3: It, it is in the millions of dollars, you know, for to have all paid. Medical professionals that get to every corner of this county uh, would cost millions of dollars. I would
1: imagine that, like even individual department budgets, would probably be in the millions. So, I mean, and for the um, the gear you talked about for the for the water rescues that you you've brought on since you've been there, that's a tremendous amount of fundraising. How how do you I mean, is all that's on the chief, and how do you put that together?
3: Well, actually, um, in most cases, I'm pretty sure, there's two entities. Um, The business end is organized by the board. Um, We have a five person board that gets um, public funds. In our case, we have a property tax assessment um, and that generates about half of the budget or half of the revenue. The uh, county does give uh, funding allocation to each department um, from their tax sources. And then um, then the department itself, that's another entity that's in our case, it's a nonprofit and um, that gets donations and that funding usually doesn't go to um to manage the depart the department expenses so there's a budget from the board in our case it's um, around two hundred and seventy thousand dollars a year and that has to buy you know engines and um, firefighter personal protective equipment um, restocking medical supplies sending people, the classes and paying for tuitions and lodgings and um, uh, all the other things that go into, you know, the things that run a department. Uh, Sometimes somebody will donate something to the fire department itself, where we buy a piece of equipment and give it back to the district. And that's happened in our case several times. I'm not sure how Laytonville is structured.
2: Yeah, so we have a board um, of three people. Um, Our budget is a little over $400,000, and basically I present the budget um, for each year, and the board approves it, and then I have to make it work within that budget. Um, There's not a lot of wiggle room. Um, Our departments have the ability to go on strike teams with our fire engines um, when we have personnel available to do that and that brings in some good revenue, but you've also got to balance, you know, what it costs you, you know, to lose a couple firefighters, three firefighters, and an engine for, you know, a significant period of time. So our basic funding source is taxes, you know, property taxes, and then we have a special tax assessment, fire tax assessment on top of that. We fund a paramedic um, 24-7. An ALS ambulance, um, which is why we are so widespread in terms of Leggett, which has no ambulance, and Covalo, which is just basic life support. Um, and so that that's a huge expense. And when we're when we're having ambulances available and paramedics available, that costs us money whether we run or not. And we only make money off of the ambulance if we transport the patient, and we only make money off of that transport if they have you know some kind of insurance and then we have a company that goes out and bills for us and and goes to collection if need be and works hard to collect money and out of the money that that we spend we collect about 25 to 30% on on insurance and that's you know that's what that's what's killing ambulance services is the collection rate you know, you can bill whatever you want, but Medicare, and Medi-Cal are only going to pay a very small percentage, and and some people have no insurance at all, or they have bad addresses, and they never get the bill. And you know, you couldn't, you can't survive very well if you're only collecting twenty five to thirty percent. And that's sort of the crisis of the ambulance service in the county is just trying to to keep up with the demand um, and be able to afford it. And we have we have basically one full-time paramedic, and then um, we have six paramedics that work part-time, meaning that basically they have other jobs as well. And so we're always yeah. shuffling the schedule to make sure that you know 365 days a year, there's a paramedic sitting in Laytonville. And that and that's unusual. They're very you know small departments like ours typically are not trying to run an advanced life support ambulance.
0: Well, and then the, the EMT portion of the ambulance, which is a
2: requirement for an ALS ambulance, is that a volunteer position? Those are all volunteer positions, correct. So when our when our first ambulance goes out and it's, you know, on a call somewhere and we get a second call, that basic life support ambulance, the BLS ambulance that responds to the second call, is all volunteer-based.
3: Wow.
0: Um what a tremendous commitment that just goes kind of under most people's awareness every day yeah. from both of your departments.
2: Yep. And you know, and what Dave does with with his water rescues, I mean that's you know, that's that's, that's huge. That takes such training. Can you both speak to the
0: amount of training ongoing that your departments have what that program looks like, and maybe delve into a little bit of how you've been addressing the uh, pandemic shelter orders.
2: Well, for us, we went we went about two months where we didn't train at all because I, you know, I, I could only imagine what would happen if if we had a COVID COVID positive t- test within our department and how that would spread. So we sort of stopped training during that period. Um, obviously, we ran calls, but. You know, it was it was very different. Um, typically, we would we would train three times a month. We would train two two nights a week on on fire related trainings, and then one night a week on medical training. So we would do three a month. And now we're back to doing doing our meetings again, our meetings and our trainings.
3: We have a, a dedicated night each week for department trainings, and that same one of those nights in the month is for our board and fire department meetings additionally we run uh, a separate top training topic every tuesday of every month Or medical or entry um every uh, one sunday out of every month our water rescue team gets together and gets our equipment out in the ocean and uh And then sometimes we have special about once a quarter, we'll do a a department special training on a Saturday. Our training officer is this right now is super organized. He has uh, all training for next year, all mapped out and topics for every month. Usually we'll um, pick a topic um, each month and work on that particular topic all months um, and then finally there'll be a scenario based on on all the items that we trained on each month uh, within that topic so it's um, a big commitment to ask a lot of the the volunteers to come to all these but when you're on a real incident you'll feel you feel a lot very you know a lot more qualified and, and uh, if you've been training on that.
2: A lot of departments, you know, put out signs and, you know, advertise for volunteers. You know, I found that it's, you know, word of mouth and, and just seeking someone out, someone that you know. Um, you know, they have to live, obviously, in, in Laytonville, and they have to live close enough to be able to respond within, you know, five or eight minutes um, to a call. So that kind of geographically limits our population. Um, but, but word of mouth and just, you know, get, talking to someone individually seems to work out better for us than, than putting up signs. So basically they come to us and they fill out an application, which is just a, you know, basic, you know, information. And, and they come to a, to a business meeting and to a training. Um, and then if they still like us after a business meeting and a training, then they're voted in as a probationary member by by the members and then they, they spend six months on a probationary period where you know we're, we're checking them out and they're checking us out and seeing if they really like it and if they're a fit with us and then they're voted mm-hmm. in um, after six months.
3: Yeah, that's similar to okay. us. We, we run a background check on all new members, um, a, a scan, a live scan. Um, and they have a checklist um, as a new member to to go through. Usually it takes several months of coming to trainings and meetings. Then the department will vote them on as a probationary member. And then for them to be get a badge, they have to complete, there's three paths within our department for a person to get a badge um, and it's, Usually, a time commitment oriented uh, type path um, that, and once they complete that, then they'll be issued a badge and they'll be off probation. And um, usually, by then, they'll, it takes somebody, usually, well, a real robust person, I've seen it done in six months, but uh, usually over a year for that to happen.
0: And then the volunteers, after they go through the kind of probationary six months to a year period, that would be when they uh, sign up and, and attend the Chiefs Academy?
2: Right. So if that timing works out, I mean, we've sent pro- probationary members to the Chiefs Academy because the Chiefs Academy is only once a year. So we either they either go in January or they don't go for another year. So we send regular members and probationary members.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, And is the Chiefs Academy happening this year? This upcoming 2021 2021 cycle?
2: I was going to contact Clay to see what he had thought. I haven't heard anything about it for this coming year. Usually by now we have an organizational meeting, and uh, I don't know the answer to that.
0: So if you've just tuned in, this is KZYX, you're listening to FireSafe Radio, and this is a pre-recorded conversation with Sue Carberry, Chief of the Laytonville Fire Department, Dave Latouf, Chief of the Mendocino Fire Department, also Scott Craddy, Director of the Mendocino County FireSafe Council. I'm engineering, my name's Cobb. And Scott, how does the County FireSafe Council fit in with neighborhoods and their fire departments?
1: My suspicion, um, and Dave and Sue can correct me, but is that uh, it is diverse as Mendocino is diverse. Uh, there are um, there are fire safe councils that interact with their fire districts pretty regularly, and uh, there are those that probably nobody's ever heard of, um, including some of the ones that Sue mentioned out there that are not even probably formal fire safe councils associated with the county council. Uh, and every imaginable shade in between.
2: Yes, that's absolutely true. What we're doing here in Laytonville, and please knock on wood, you know, it's 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 helping us a lot. Cal fires, Cal fire's, um, thought for the year, their motivation is to keep the fire small, and I think that's really that's really a key part of the story. You know, in our rural areas, up on Spy Rock and Bell Springs, and areas that take us at least 30, 40 minutes to get to, those communities through the fire safe councils, through all the wonderful educational materials that are out there, you know, are creating their own little fire brigades, if you will, where they they have a little engine and they have some hand tools, and you know, they wear their little Nomex and. You know, they, they hear the call, they are responding, and they get there before we do, and they either get the fire out or they keep it small until we get there. And I think that's a huge key to the future, um, at least in the rural areas, and knowing how long it takes us to get somewhere um, is keeping that fire small, not hurting themselves in the process, um, but either getting it out or keeping it small till we get there. Um, Spyrock Spy Road has gotten a little more organized, and they came down and, and met with us, and, and we went up there and did two two different programs. I did a taped program um, for them, and then one of our engines and our people went up and, and kind of did some training with them. But, yes, it is as diverse as we all are.
0: Scott, is there any kind of meeting process at the county level between fire safe councils and the local fire departments?
1: Um, yeah, we have a rotating monthly meeting. Uh, we have every other month, we will have a leadership meeting of the neighborhood fire safe councils. So for those that are formally affiliated with the Mendocino County Fire Safe Council, uh, we have a meeting that's kind of a round table discussion where all the groups get to talk about what's, what's facing them at the moment and what they're doing. Uh, and those are actually tremendously exciting and inspiring meetings. They're, there's a lot of great exchange there. Uh, so for the neighborhood councils that want to, you know, if Spyrock wants to get in the loop, it's super easy to do. It's free to sign up as an, as an affiliated neighborhood council. Uh, all you, the, the only burden is to delete our newsletters periodically when they show up, if that's the way you want to approach it. Uh, but you also get invited to the leadership meetings uh, where there's a lot of exchange and a lot going on. For example, uh, you know, one of the things that's kind of old-fashioned and broken are phone trees. Phone trees are great, mm-hmm. a great way to alert your neighbors, uh, but also really prone to break down uh, if the right people aren't in the right place at the right time. So some of the neighborhood councils explored automated phone tree services, uh, and we've been kicking that around with them for a few months, and now the Mendocino County FireSafe Council has bought a giant subscription to one of them uh, to be able to offer a super low cost for any of those groups that want to jump in and uh, get their own group going. So we exchange ideas and build on what the neighborhoods are doing and try to do that in a, in a way that we can share things. And then every other month we also have a technical access group meeting, which is more for um professional agencies to catch up and, and exchange information.
2: Yeah, and I don't, I think one of my failings, and maybe it's something I can do better, is is not been a good, I, I should be a better liaison between those, the Fire Safe Council and those local communities, because I know who they are. Um, and I should probably do a better job of connecting them, you know, countywide so that they get those resources.
1: Yeah, it's big, I mean, the more we connect that network, certainly the better so if you're if you've got a a neighborhood out there that's doing anything to fire safe itself join the network and um, you know the worst case scenario is you get a little more information Uh, and you also get to find out ahead of everybody else what's going on our our newsletters tip off people that are in formal associations when there's new grant money in the area Uh, so you get to the opportunity to snag that for your neighborhood first
0: thanks scott we're coming up on the end of our hour with Sue Carberry, Chief of the Laytonville Fire Department, and Dave Latouf, Chief of the Mendocino Fire Department. Scott, you have any final questions for either of our guests?
1: Um, if there's a message you'd like to get out that hasn't got out to help improve the fire situation around here, what would it
3: be? Uh, individual awareness to, um, you know, all the uh, potential fire in our in our county. And the awareness of of our ambulance situation in the county and how fragile that is, and not being afraid to make a nine one one call. I mean, smoke checks—that's fine. I'll do those all the time. Sometimes they're nothing, and and that's fine. I'm I'm good with people worrying about you know this. You know, they don't need to doesn't always have to be a, a real incident even if they just think they see something give a call so we could get out there and, and assess the
2: situation yeah their awareness is huge which is one of the problems when we have all this the smoke inversion that comes in is you know is that a new smoke over there or is that a drift smoke from you know hundreds of miles away? Well, I think it's just keep doing what we're doing is is early alert and being aware and not being afraid, like Dave said, not being afraid to call 911 and supporting us financially where they can.
0: How should interested listeners contact either of your departments if maybe they want to volunteer or they just want to learn more, get to know you a little better?
2: Face-to-face is the best. You can always call. Our number is 984 6055, but coming in, meeting us, you know, taking a little tour of the facility, seeing what we have to offer and filling out an application. I mean, it's, we know we're not hard to find.
3: Yeah, for Mendocino, um, people come to our Wednesday nights, our meetings and training night. It starts at uh, 7 p.m. showing up there or can call at 937-0131. Uh, Our main station is located on Little Lake Road, about 100 feet east of the traffic signal on Little Lake. Thanks for joining us, Sue Carberry,
0: Chief of the Laytonville Fire Department, and Dave Latouf, Chief of the Mendocino Fire Department.
2: Well, thank you for giving us the visibility. Thank you. Yep, thanks Uh,
0: both. And that concludes our pre-recorded broadcast, everybody. Thanks for listening. And, Clay Eubank, do I have you live on the air right now? Yeah, you do. Hey, thanks for joining us. So, everybody, one more unsung hero in the volunteer fire service uh, with Mendocino County. Can you give us your uh, job title and experience in your relation to the Fire Chiefs Academy, Clay?
4: Sure, sure. I'm... Clay Eubank. I'm the EMS officer for Anderson Valley Fire Department, which means I manage the ambulance. And I'm also the coordinator for the Mendocino County Chiefs Academy.
0: Cool. And you were so gracious to join us live on the air this morning, just for a few minutes to give an update. Um, So what happened with the Chiefs Academy this year with the pandemic shelter orders and what creative uh, solution have you come up with for next year, Clay?
4: Well, last year, the Academy students got through all the weekends except for the last four weekends of the Academy, which is rough. It's a a 13-week commitment. And so we had to cancel it. This year, what we're doing is we're not going to add new students like we would normally do. We're going to uh, finish the students that were unable to complete it last year so that they can get their final certifications, which would include hazmat training and wildland training, vehicle extrication, and hopefully the burn trailer as well.
0: And is that structure going to be mostly the same or a lot of it online?
4: No, it's, it's going to be mostly the same with some, because the Chiefs Academy is primarily very tactile right. in terms of training and instruction. It's difficult to do that online, but we will be taking uh, appropriate precautions for um, the COVID and making sure that there's social distancing and masks are worn.
0: Got it. Nice. And and so as the coordinator, uh, how many people are you working with to coordinate that academy? How many people are instructing it?
4: Uh, we, we have such a great team of instructors out there. We have you kind of Fire Department carries a, a nice bulk of the load. Willis actually kicks off the academy with uh, some good intro, um, introductory classes, Hoplin has been picking up the vehicle extrication and the ropes training. Uh, Fort Bragg has been taking the lead on the burn trailer and really helping the um, students go through the burn trailer. Then our uh, Trails has picked up the comms, communications. Redwood Valley was doing that for a while as well. And then Anderson Valley will be picking up the... Uh, um, that, that that we'll be doing the wildland portion this year with the assistance from CAL FIRE and not to forget uh, Leightonville with Sue Carberry, your guest who always does our EMS portion for oh. a full weekend.
0: That's pretty tremendous. Uh, again, thanks for joining us, Clay Eubank. We only have two minutes to go before a hard jump to our next program. Uh What else would you like to highlight in two minutes about the Chiefs Academy or anything else with the fire service you'd like to get out there to the listeners?
4: Well, as far as the Chiefs Academy, it's an incredible opportunity for the volunteers, the new volunteers, to meet other departments. And the commitment that's been given by all the departments to really give some good, high-quality training Plus, it provides continuity for all the volunteers throughout the county so that when we go from one place to another, everybody is on the same page. So, it's it's probably one of the best programs I've seen in terms of the, a countywide youth academy. It's fantastic.
0: And that's unique to Mendocino County, right?
4: Yeah, I think other counties do similar programs, um, but I'm not sure that they've been doing it as long as it's coordinated. I not clear on that, but I'm sure that there's other counties out there that do similar programs as well.
0: Got it. Wow. Clay. Well, thanks for joining us. Um, And just, you know, we're promoing the radio station and everything around here. And if listeners out there, you know, they're getting kind of a peek behind the curtain to uh, all the infrastructure that serves them in terms of emergency services Ballpark guest, how many hours do you think you and everybody else is putting in to to keep this academy going?
4: Oh, uh, it's uh, that would be hard to say. I know that we do planning all year long, and that when they actually get the commitment, this it's a full weekend dedicated to actually doing the training for every weekend that's on there, plus the prep time involved ahead of time. Cool.
0: Yeah! Wow. Okay, well, we got thirty seconds till the next show. Thanks for getting on the phone with me, Clay.
4: No worries, no worries. And a shout out to KZYX. You guys
0: rock. Thanks, Clay. Have a great morning. All
4: right. You too. Take
0: care. And that does it for our show, folks. Fire Safe Mendocino. Uh, Join us in a couple weeks. We'll have more for you.